of God. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to Mark, the 16th chapter, and verse 16. This is going to end up our series on supernatural languages, speaking in other tongues, as the Spirit gives people utterances. And uh, how many of you know that nothing was created without God? then you have to understand that all language is born from the creator. And uh, so we'll be looking at some of those things tonight. Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. A sign is something unique, something that, gives direction to those that may not even be observing. A sign is there to catch somebody's attention. And it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new. Somebody, anybody know what new means? Something that has never existed. And so it shall speak in, with new tongues. Next verse. And they shall take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so then, after that, the Lord had spoken unto them. He was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God. Next one. Oh, there we are. Oh, man, you're faster than I am. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now, let's turn and join that. Remember, it's a sign that we are to express that the world would know that we are different. It is a sign that draws them to us that we may unveil Christ to them. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and verse 7, which is the scripture that deals with the nine gifts of the Spirit. The nine gifts of the Spirit reveal the identity of God, where the fruits of the Spirit, I reveal the identity of the believer. Somebody says, that's the fruits of the Holy Ghost. No, it's, it's not. It's the fruits of the recreated Spirit that identifies us to the world and to Christ. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. And then it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, or to use for a profitable outcome. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, <clears throat> to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now, in this, we see that there are nine gifts of the spirit. They are subject to the Holy Ghost. Now, he divides them severally as he wills. That simply means that the Holy Ghost has the decision of what gift will work in what area at what time for our life. It doesn't mean that just one gets a word of wisdom and one gets a word of knowledge. 
No, it says the gifts are given to profit every man. So they are given. The Holy Ghost doesn't come in with, into your life with one gift. He doesn't come in partially. You don't get a leg of the Holy Ghost. You get the person of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So here we see and we know that we talked about the different types of languages and using them. And in order to save us time, I'm not going to go back and talk about all that again. You're getting three tapes and you can listen to them and they will help you. <clears throat> now, let's go to Matthew 10, 19 through 20. We're going to speak about a different kind of language. We're going to talk about diverse kinds of tongues. Remember that in Genesis, the 11th chapter, the world was all in one language. But because they started trying to build the Tower of Babel, and God says there is nothing impossible to these men that they have imagined in their heart. So what God had to do was to divide their language. And thus we have the languages of the world. So God gave them utterances. You're right. Thank you, Pat. Hallelujah. Now, in Matthew 10, 19, when they deliver you up, take no thought of what you shall speak, for it shall be given unto you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you. Now, what does that exclude? You. It excludes you. And it says, for it is not you that speaketh, but the spirit of your father that speaketh in you. And then we ultimately understand he speaks through you. Could have given an amen. All right. I was in the Methodist church Sunday night. I don't want to be there tonight. All right. Now, in fact, that's the Methodist church my great-grandfather got saved in. And uh, so it tells us here that when we are delivered up, we could be delivered up to a persecution. We could be delivered up to a place that people would try to trip us up. Uh, we could be delivered up to uh, try to answer questions that they had come up. They tried to confuse Jesus, but Jesus always gave an answer. And he always gave them an answer that never confirmed that he wasn't, but confused them to verify that they were not of God. And so, here we are delivered up in different cir circumstances and situations. But notice that it says that it's the spirit of your Father in you that gives you an utterance to say something. Is that true? So, now let's... Jesus is telling us they're going to deliver us up before men. Well, the language that we're going to speak is not in an, in an unknown tongue. It is in a, known, in a known tongue. So in other words, God inspires man to speak words that he needs in order to get successful results and to accomplish what God wants done, but he does inspire verbiage through the language that we live in right okay we're going to look at some of those different languages we may think that it's not important but it is important that you and I wait 
on the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 28, he that is righteous studieth to answer. In other words, he evaluates what he is about to say, whether it's born of God or born of himself. Sometimes we can rebuke people. We can be harsh with people. You may seem to be spiritual, and you're just an idiot. Oh, I, I shouldn't have said that. Can you take that off the tape? And you're just not bright. You hurt more people than you try to help. Because it's not you that God that's speaking. It is pure you. It is your opinion, your beliefs, your viewpoints, your convictions, which are worth nothing even to a starving squirrel. They're worth nothing. They haven't helped you, and they won't help people that you're expressing them to. So there is a time that if you'll just be quiet like a fool, people will think you're wise. Says the book of Proverbs. And some of us have done more language with our mouth than the devil could ever do in someone's life. Yeah, the wounds of a friend go far deeper than the attacks from adversaries. And when you say something that God is even wondering, where did that come from? You have not studied. You have just... Well, I just speak my mind. Don't speak too much of it. You don't have that much to share. I'm not trying to be negative, but it's the truth. Listen, you are to have your mind renewed. Why would anybody speak out of a carnal, lust, opinionated, self-convicting mind? That tells you it's not God. Well, I just think somebody should have told him. You should have studied to see if your thoughts were of God or not. Right? Absolutely. Listen, you can break the human spirit. You can break a spirit of faithfulness. You can break a spirit of dedication just by not smart remarks. So we ought to be inspired of the Lord. When we stand before people, are they better off when they leave or are they worse? Like right now, you think it's worse, but you're going to be better later. Amen. All right. Now, so God, through the Holy Ghost, does what? He gives us answers that cause our adversaries to be totally confused and disoriented. Why? Because these are not the words of men coming through our mouth. They're not words of our personal convictions, our personal uh, traditions, or our personal opinions. Those have no place in, in the body of Christ. They have none. Could it get an amen? amen? It's God's. It's God's word that gives life. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit. He's saying they're born of spirit, and they give life. Not death. Hallelujah. And so we have to understand that when we speak, we need, sometimes it's better just to walk away and be quiet. At least the people haven't been doubly wounded 
by the adversary and by a friend. Let's move. All right. All right. Luke. Let's go to Luke 19, 30 through 34. We're just going to look at some of these and see how much the disciples and people that walked with God were influenced by the Holy Ghost giving them an utterance in their national or natural language. It says, this is Jesus saying to his disciples, Go ye into a village over against you, in the which at your entering in you shall find a colt tied. And whensoever, wheresoever yet never man has sat, loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thou shalt say, well, we know the Messiah. We know he that was born of a virgin. We know Mary's son. We know the man from Galilee. We can tell you miracles. No, that's human gibberish. Don't try to do what only God can do. And then it says this. This is so unique. Say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they went where they were sent, and they went their way, and found even as he said unto them. And as they were loosening the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why do you loose the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And then how many of you know that the will of God came to pass, the prophetic will of the old covenant that said that your Messiah will come riding on a colt. And they laid out their garments and palm leaves and cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, would they have got the results if they would have explained it the way that we think? Or we just said, well, I just wanted to tell them one little miracle. Be quiet. Be quiet. God can crush an army with a leper's dragging foot. Let him be God and you, it's a far fetch, be subject to him. Could it get an amen? amen. I, I'm just showing you how much we destroy the purpose of God because our words are not chosen, inspired. Therefore, they have no destroying or breaking yoke power. Sometimes we get like Pharisees. We just think we're going to be heard. Oh, yes, Jesus is so good. Say what he said and be quiet. Get that old Pharisee nature out of you. Well, I just felt led. Did God say it or not? If he didn't tell you to say it, just hold your tongue like a bridle. Pull that horse over and get off. Tie it up and go get a bath. Hallelujah. Thinking about the old westerns. Now, let's go to, let me see, what have I got? A, let's go to a Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark 14 and verse 12. What if they would have said something different? Wouldn't have got the results. Case in point, maybe it might be that we speak too much out of ourself instead of out of God. 
And then it says this, And the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he saith, and he sendeth forth two of his disciples. And he said unto them, Now you go into that city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And whithersoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house. The master saith, Where is the guest chamber? Where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared already. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city, found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. They simply go up. They don't say, well, you know, we want to know if you had a room for rent. You, you, we, we've got some money because they were going to have to rent the place anyway. But Jesus says, no, you go over here. Now, why do you think that man responded to where is the guest chamber? Because God had already spoken to him. And if you add what you want to add, he considers you are not from God which would have been the right conclusion. For if you add to or take away from, in the multitude of sin there wanteth, in the multitude of words there wanteth no sin. In other words, you can open the door for the devil to lay hold of somebody, to hurt somebody, to break somebody, to disorient, to confuse somebody, if you get involved and add to. And if you curse someone that God wants to bless, that's not good. If you add to, then things are going to be added to you. Why? Well, it is in one aspect the realm of disobedience, of the realm of you over God. Right? Say what God tells you to say, and that's all. Well, I, I, I just told him, well... Remember that there is another tongue. It's called the tongue of love. Amen. Harshness has no place in it unless there's a rebuke. Amen. Pastor called me the, the other day, and, and Phyllis was there, and he called me late at night and said, Man, I hate to bother you. He said, I just don't know what to do. I said, Okay, talk to me. He said, You know, my kids are this and this and this, and, and uh, you know, now things are just disarrayed, and I think I'm going to have to fire my kid and all that. And uh, he said, you know, just to have peace. I said, absolutely not. He said, what do you mean absolutely not? He said, well, I'm going to set him down and talk to him. I said, that's your problem. You set him down and you want to deal with your children. You don't deal with your children. You tell your children, I'm still the patriarch of this house Amen. and of your faith. And I will govern this house and have a voice into your house because of inherited authoritative right. And if I bless your family, you'll be blessed like Jacob. And if I curse you, you'll be cursed like Esau. And he said, well, well, they'll just get mad and leave. I said, it doesn't matter. 
I said, you're trying to tell me that if you handle it your way, you're smarter than God. I said, let me tell you something right now. You set them kids down and you say this. I rebuke you. Don't you ever talk to me, your mother, or anybody else that has authority over you like that again. I rebuke you for being a child. I rebuke you for being disrespectful. I rebuke you for being rebellious. And this is what you're going to do. He said, well, what if they leave? I said, well, that's fine. But the rebuke brings them to a point that they can turn. But if you just try to reason with them, they'll just go down the road and say, well, we just had a falling out. You didn't have a falling out. You had a rebellious moment. That's what you had. Amen. Listen to me. That's why the Bible says rebuke. You know, Christians are, are, sometimes they just don't know what to do. So they just appease sin. You know, that sin will be on your head. That sin will be, and, and the repercussions of the sin that you are endorsing in another will come on your life and destroy your family. It'll stop seed being born. It'll curse your seed, and it'll divide your household, and you'll reap what you are sowing. Listen, we have to be Careful, there is a time for rebuke, and there is a time to talk things out. But let me tell you something, when you're talking to people and, and kids and things of that nature, and they are not responding, then it's a time for a rebuke. Amen. Because they just keep going down the road. And the, and the a fact and the evidence is, they're treating you worse than they've ever treated you. He said, you're right. I said, that's because you have forgotten who is in charge of the house. So he said, well, Pete, he said, I'm going to take your counsel. I I knew his wife was in the background. He said, I'm going to try to muster up enough guts. I said, muster up enough guts. He said, you ought to talk to my kids. I said, don't worry about that. I said, you better be afraid of falling into God's hands. Your kids, you can knock them on the ground, drag them through the yard, put them on the toilet. You do whatever you want. You ain't going to do that with God. You better get enough courage to be the man of God that God called you to be. Or you know what? You need to just get out of the place that you are positioned. Now, it's the truth. Hallelujah, sweet Jesus, forever. Hallelujah. I see people look at me in, other, in my services, and I can read on their mind. Am I glad I don't go to that church? You're right. Genesis. Let's go to Genesis, the 17th chapter. Genesis 17, 1 through 7. Remember that Abraham is the father of faith. He is progressively revealing to us what faith does, the steps of faith. Even faith struggles. And its failures. And so Abraham is approached by God. And he says this. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared unto Abram. And he said unto him. I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee. And will multiply thee exceedingly. Somebody say, God will multiply Abraham. Okay. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant 
is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shalt thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make thee a nation of thee, and king shall come out of thee. Notice, God said he would do this. It said, then I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Now, we know this as God speaking to Abraham, revealing unto him an unknown language. What is that language? Somebody say the language of faith. The language of faith. Now, if we went to Romans 4.17, let's go to Romans 4.17. I know that you've all heard this, and I understand that you know it, and it's imperative that we understand, and we do know it. And it says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. In other words, God says, I gave him a promise. I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, this has been demeaned by people. Oh, you're the name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it. No, I'm of the faith camp. Amen. I'm of those that God has instructed to speak things that are not as though they were. Now, when we talk, we have this built-in babbler. God said, don't say anything, call yourself Abraham. You think he went home and said, uh, Sari, Sarah, God, God told me my name's Abraham now, and this is what he said. Now, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. I'm, this is, do you think that's what he did? He went home and said, my name's Abraham. He walked out to the goatsman, my name is Abraham. He walked out to the herd, my name is Abraham. He walked out to the cattle guys, my name is Abraham. But, but he, didn't, he doesn't owe them an explanation. He is in a covenant with God. He did not ask man, and God said, you do this, I will do what I said to do. You do not have to Pharisee your confession. You don't have to explain to everybody what you believe. Abraham walked out one day, stretched and said, I'm Abraham. Never again will you ever find it recorded. And the rabbis and all Jewish people refused to acknowledge that Abram ever existed. You're not going to get them to call him Abram because Abram was not their father. Abraham was. That's true. And so they won't reverse their faith. So God taught Abraham faith. He taught him to speak what the promise declared unto him. May, uh, okay, I will, I'll do that. All right. Uh, let's go to Second uh, Peter. Every promise 
is a promise. Could I get an amen? Every promise is a fact. Could I get an amen? And every promise is a prophetic word that must be spoke before it is ever fulfilled. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show it to you here in just a second. And uh, let me see. All right, let's go to uh, verse first, Second Peter 1, 18. <clears throat> well, let's go to 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the voice which came from heaven we heard and when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of of what? Of prophecy. So every word that they have is a prophetic word. Right? It is a prophetic word. And then it says this. Whereunto you would do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a darkness until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this, that no prophecy or promise, notice what it says here, of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy or the word or the promise came not came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of god spake as they were moved by the what every promise is a prophetic end waiting to come to pass but only as you put faith with it and voice it does it happen remember when god told ezekiel Stand up here. Tell me, can these bones live? He said, well, you know, God said this, prophesy. What did he tell them to do? Tell him to do. Speak to them. Speak what I tell you to speak. No more, no less. Speak what I tell you to speak. When God gives us a promise, there is a prophetic end waiting to happen. What is a prophetic end? It is an end that God has already foretold and man declares and it comes to pass. Right? Every man that prophesies, God speaks it to him first. When he speaks it out, then it comes to pass. Right? Until then, it doesn't. So a promise has a voice in it. That voice is prophetic. It must be released. And it must be released the way that God tells you to release it. Now, he told Abraham in Genesis 12, look, I'm going to cause you, I'm going to bring seed out of you, and your seed is going to inherit this land. What was he saying? I'm going to make a nation out of you. That's what he was saying in Genesis 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. God tells Abraham how to release that prophetic word. What? Call yourself 
Abraham. So when we get a promise, we have a promise, by his stripes ye are healed. That is a prophetic word because it's been prophesied by Isaiah. Well, it's been fulfilled in Jesus. Yes, I understand it's been fulfilled in Jesus because of the covenant. But it cannot come to pass until it is uttered. So, we come to the place, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Can I have 1 Corinthians 2, 9 up there? Down through 13 says these words. So, just so powerful. Matthew 10, 19, and 20 all over again. Uh, Genesis 17, 1 through 8 all over again. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What are the things God prepared to love to uh, give to them that love him? Prophetic outcomes. God has already spoken them. God has already inspired men to write them. It hasn't entered into the heart until revelation comes. Then we'll see what happens. Go to verse 10. But God hath revealed, oh wow, revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Next verse. Oh, you already read that? Oh. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. God, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. Which things also, watch these words very carefully, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, how do we speak those things that God has laid up in store for all of those that love him? How do we speak them? The Holy Ghost reveals the prophetic purpose and we speak in line with what he tells us to say out of that promise. God's word to Abraham was said, call yourself Abraham. That's all you call yourself. Don't explain yourself. Don't babble. Don't become Pharisee. Just say you're Abraham. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to try to out-talk the devil. Just say, I've been healed. I'm healed. Well, don't you have to say, by his stripes? No, I'm healed. Abraham didn't have verse. Abraham didn't have all. He had the voice of God. I'm healed. I'm healed. Well, 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 you quote the word. That's an entirely different operation. That's dealing with the devil. That's not using the voice of faith. And it's an entirely different subject. You're dealing with the devil. When you're dealing with the devil, you're going to have to take the sword of the Spirit. But not when you are declaring what is rightfully yours. Okay. So, when we have this prophetic promise, and the prophetic promise is stated in Isaiah. It is unveiled in type or symbolism in Numbers 21. 
it is revealed there, but then it is also brought up to Malachi, the fourth chapter, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, but then it is unveiled to us that the prophecy, what it's really about in Matthew 8, 16, and 17, and then it is given to the church by Peter that says, by his stripes ye were healed. Now, all we have to do is this. I'm healed. That's all you have to do. I'm healed. Think on that scripture until the Holy Ghost just says, you're healed. Call yourself healed. Now, as soon as you get that voice, the words I speak in you, they are spirit and they are life. We have to transform the word from logos, logos, to rhema, the life source. Right? That's what we have to do. Did Abraham put God into remembrance of the promise? No. No. Nope. No, he, he didn't quote all those scriptures. He just said what God said about him. So when you read a prophetic proclamation about yourself, by his stripes you're healed, then you just say, I'm healed. I'm just healed. I'm healed and go on with life. I'm healed because that seed will spring up and it'll make you fruitful. Why? Because it's Almighty God that said he would do it. You aren't healed by, because you say it a bunch of times. You're not healed because you have some great revelation in the Scripture. You're healed by faith when the spirit of faith fills your word, your mouth with a word. 2 Corinthians 4.13, we receive the same spirit of faith as we believe, therefore we speak. I don't have to convince myself that the scripture is true. When the Holy Ghost speaks it to me, it is unshakably true. Amen? Amen? Now we could get to the point that we ought to be still and let God speak. Right? These are important things, and I do encourage you to, to weigh them out and to listen how we talk. Because we talk almost sounding like faith, but it's almost as if we're trying to convince ourselves that it's true. Now, do your convincing in the presence of the Holy Ghost in meditation. And then when you come out, what you say is already said, and it'll be said, and God will bring it to pass. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go to uh, Romans 4.20. And uh, I think, no, we weren't there. Romans 4.20. There's so, ma there's so many examples in the Bible. Just a, All right. Now, uh, can anybody find any place in the Bible, all you scholars, can you find one place in the Bible, Rob? Find one place in the Bible from Genesis 1.1 to Genesis 17 that God ever taught anybody to praise him? No, it's not in there. You cannot find it. Who taught Abraham this passage of Scripture? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Who taught Abraham 
how to resist, how to confuse, how to paralyze the enemy with praise. Who taught him that? God taught him that language of praise. It's not mentioned in the scriptures until it's revealed in Romans of how Abraham resisted doubt and unbelief. Who taught Abraham the language of praise? God. Why? Because it is the language of faith. It's the language of faith. So Abraham resist the devil. Jesus doesn't even really reveal what praise is until David, he enforces that David has it in Psalms. Jesus enforces that praise has been given or he, God has ordained it out of the mouth of babes. And uh, Psalms 8, 2 on down says that God uh, ordained that praise when it was praised that it would steal the adventure. But up until that time, until David started writing, it was God that gave them the foundation of praise. When Jehoshaphat went up against the battle, God didn't say, praise me. He gave him a promise. You don't need to fight. This battle is not yours. It is mine. Stand you still and see the salvation of the Lord. And out of that came the voice of praise, the mercy of God endureth forever. So that was a language that had really never been taught or talked or shared. So we as Christians, we understand that it does that. But what if God sparked praise in us? Instead of us just doing it in a song service. It's different. It is different. Absolutely, it's different. Now, we have to understand that God is on our side. Could get an amen. amen. Absolutely, he is. And so, when God says something, in every prophetic proclamation, there is a way to utter that proclamation to utter that prophetic word to release the end. Uh, okay, let's go to Proverbs 15, 23. I won't get into that other one. Proverbs 15, 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word, wow. If you could answer an attack from the enemy, shouldn't it be authored by the Holy Ghost and he tells you what to speak instead of what our remembrance of the scriptures are? Wouldn't it be better to speak one word or like God did three, light be two instead of saying now, light, I know you're out there. Now, darkness, I'll tell you what, you just can't resist me. I am almighty God. Hmm. I'd rather speak 
two words, light be, instead of trying to convince the darkness that I believed I could. Just a thought. Now, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. What would be joy to a sick man? Health. What would be joy to a man in need? Provision. What would be joy to a man that was confused, vexed, clarity, peace, assurance, unshakable conviction? Now, where does that come from? A man hath joy by the answer of his tongue. Remember that when you're delivered up, when these things come, don't take thought what you're going to say because it's God that speaketh right here in you so that you can speak. This is where the Holy Ghost teaches us, right here, so that we can have an answer to our tongue. We need to have joy. Let the Holy Ghost teach you how to release that power of that prophetic promise. And every promise is a prophetic inspiration from God. I know some of you are like saying, my God, where are, what are you talking about? Just keep listening. Now watch this. A word spoken in due season, how good is it? How many ears do you have, David? How many mouths do you have? A great man called Lester Summerall said this. Listen twice as much as you talk. When we go up to people and we start talking, automatically we tell God, I don't need you. But what if you went up and said, God, help me not to hear the people's words but to see the season that they're in. Stop looking at natural people. Ask God to see the season. Why? Because when he shows the season, right behind that little revelation is coming a puppy, a good word in their season. But we just go up and say, In other words, God, I got this. And the people just walk off. Their season is still dragging them down. A word in due season. First, you've got to see what season they're in. That means you've got to quit talking and listen. Yes. You, you can't talk so much that the Holy Ghost is trying to say, but, 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 but. Oh, come on, how's the weather? Hey, how's the babies doing? How's the kids doing? Oh, man, hey, that old mongrel you got out of the dog pound, he's still alive. I tell you, oh, man, oh, man, you still living down in the old trailer court? Oh, man, I tell you, well, I hated that. I'm so glad God delivered. Oh, God's been good to me. You walk away, and they don't even know you have even passed through their life. But the Bible says the Holy Ghost leads us. Every encounter is the potential to let God Speak into a life. Amen. Just hold that tongue back, horsey. I knew this was going to be good. That's good now, all right. Now, let's go to uh, hmm, Acts 7, 51 through 60. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just say this one. 
uh, Acts 51 through 50, remember that Stephen was dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he started talking to them about the law. Was Stephen preaching or talking or conveying or witnessing out of his own understanding or was his preaching inspired of God? We know the difference because when he spoke the law that God put in his mouth for that moment, it pierced through centuries of Pharisee, Sadducee hardness. And they got pierced in their hearts to the point they could not stand it. And they picked up stones and stoned him. And he started saying, God, forgive him. He said, I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. God, lay not this sin to their charge. They stoned him. Why? When God puts a word in your mouth, to preach, to witness, to share. Well, I've got to tell everybody I run into. No, you don't. Some plant, some water, God gives the increase. Amen. Quit flooding the seed. Yeah. Everybody don't need to hear from you. Oh, but I got, that's your personal attitude. That's your self-value. That, oh, you, look, witnessing don't put any crowns on your head. People that make it to heaven do. But I've witnessed to everybody. So, you can babble. Bottom line is, how many people are getting harvested? Amen. I mean, how many people are really getting... Well, I led them in the prayer. Were they ready to be led? I, I witnessed people don't even give them a chance to get saved. Oh, my God, what did they die? Not my job. I, I was just a planner. God said that another one would water... The guy coming behind me, he's the one's in trouble. <laughs> yep. But see, sometimes we try to do it all every time, our way, and we think it's going to be okay. No, it's not. Sometimes I don't even witness to people through a day. Oh, I can't believe you, Pastor. Aren't you a Christian? Yes. Yes, absolutely I'm a Christian. I think I've been introduced... This year, on about 175,000 people to Jesus. You have faith? I'll show you my faith by works. Absolutely. But if we get this Pharisee, I'm more than God. I know what I'm doing. I don't need God attitude. And we just plow in. We don't get no results. And if you pluck an ear of corn before it's time... It's not to be plucked. Just not. Wait till the time. There's a time. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. And then Paul writes. Now that, that is a word that when we are inspired, we speak. But we don't speak to everybody. Some, I, I used to try it all the time, witness everybody. Say, oh, hey, and one time I was in a restaurant, Phyllis was with me. We was in Cracker Barrel in another state, and uh, we had some people from the church with us. And I said, hey, hey, are you a Christian? She said, I tell you what, I am an American. Of course I'm a Christian. 
I said, but have you ever heard about Jesus? She said, you know what? You sound just like my uncle. What happened? My mouth took the place of God's leading. <laughs> oh, that was just the devil in her. No, she was probably just fed up with having seed thrown in her at the wrong time. She might have just had a little too much water poured on her seed. I should have just shut my mouth, listened to God, gave her a great tip, and prayed for her later. But, lo and behold, in my younger days, I am God. Boy, was I glad when that breakfast was over. I felt so stupid, so ashamed that I disrupted and caused such division between me and her. Well, she was just mad. It was just a... I'm not called to make people mad. I'm called to witness to people. Now, in my younger days, I would have stood up and said, you child of the devil. <laughs> That's what you say in the car when you get in there, you know, because somebody didn't hear you. No, I would presume it probably wasn't the time. <laughs> yeah, okay, moving right along. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, inspired languages and inspired rebuke. I write unto you and I tell you right now, I'm not with you, but I'm with you in spirit. And I'm with you in the power of the name of Christ. You have sin in your camp that even the Gentiles don't have in theirs. That a man would marry his father's wife. Get that man out of you. And Paul says this. He says, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump and turn him over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. How many of you think those words were inspired of God. Absolutely they were. They were. Now, why did Paul use that? The church didn't even get mad. You know what they did? <laughs> this is amazing. They complied. They they, I mean, they actually did what Paul told them to do. <laughs> Boy, that'd blow you away, isn't it? See, Paul spoke a rebuke when a rebuke was needed. So we have all of these languages that we can be inspired of to handle problems and so forth in life. Remember when Paul was on the ship in the storm, he said, and all hope of being saved was gone. But Paul stands up and says, be of good cheer. There was given unto me a word from God last night. And the prophetic word that God gave me, the promise that he said was this. We're not going to lose anybody, and we're going to make it to the other side. How be it, the way that God's going to do it, he's going to bring us to an island, and we're going to be safe. Now, the condition is, don't let nobody jump off this boat. Now, that was a word in a hopeless situation. In a hopeless situation. And the world is without hope. And we ought to have words of hope. Amen? Find out the season they're in so you can deliver a word that God wants you to speak. Anybody remember the gate beautiful? Yeah. The crippled man from his mother's womb? Yeah. Hey, can I have some money? Can I have some money? Peter turns and looks on him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Were his actions Peter's 
or were his actions and words born of God? Born of God. There's a time to pray for the sick, and there's a time not to pray for them. There's a time to speak to a sickness, and there's a time not to. Come on. We have got just to be still and let God use us. All these things that we've talked about are ways that God would use us. Yes, he would. Ways that God would use us. All we have to do is just listen to him. And let him use us in all of these life scenarios. Let God have his voice in us that we can have our voice to them. Amen? Now, I hope that you understood what, what I'm saying, that God inspires languages in all types of situations. Yes, in all types of situations. And that uh, we were coming to church, and uh, we had Hannity on. And I, I just, I'm just about done with Hannity. He, he cusses and says stupid stuff. And, and I said, Quentin, I'm sorry. And, uh, but he was talking about how to deal with what they would call liberals. Now, I don't care if you're liberal. I don't care if you're bound. I don't care if you're crazy. I, I don't care. I, my job is to preach the truth to you. And uh, you want to be a liberal? You can be a liberal. You, you know, you, you want to be a conservative? You can be a conservative. You can be independent. You can be, what's that other one they got? Who? Yeah, libertarian. You, you, can, you, can, be, you can be vegetarian. I don't care. You, you can be whatever you want. Just don't bring it into the church. Because politics don't belong here. Oh, yes, they do. Hush. All of the division and divisiveness does not belong in the house. It just doesn't do it. So I don't care what you are. But he was talking. Well, if you got liberal... People were calling in and asking him for counsel. How do I uh, deal with my liberal in-laws when they come over tomorrow? He said, oh, put a Trump hat on, put a Trump T-shirt on, and just tell them, hey, how you like the million, do- million jobs he created? Hey, how you like the tax cut he's getting? And he just, dig him, dig him, dig him. I looked at Quentin. I said, Quentin, you see anything stupid about that? He said, all of it, Papa. I said, absolutely. I said, never, ever use a time like that for dividing your household because political Beliefs do not bind people together. Now, why? Because political beliefs were born of man. You don't believe me? Ask Israel how they liked bringing in their political system and opposing God's system through a guy called Saul. Oh, yeah. Just go right on back there and find out how it worked out for them. You are a Christian beyond anything else, beyond your ethnic raising, beyond your ethnic culture background. It don't matter. You're a Christian. There is neither bond nor free. And anytime we choose our cultures over Christianity, we are rebelling and defying the rebirth and redemption of our life. The second thing, you are an American. Now, I'm not telling you that everything is right in America. 
I think lots of things should go my way that don't go my way. It, it's, it's the truth. Do I like everything about America? No. But I'd much rather live here than any place else in the world. Now, I'm a Christian, and I have my allegiance to God. Secondly, I'm an American, and I have the allegiance to America and every individual that lives here. Did you hear me? Every person that is on American soil, that is an American citizen, I have an allegiance to. To walk with you, to protect you, to stand up for you, to fight for your rights, to die for your rights, whatever it takes, because you're an American. Now, there is a higher calling if you're a Christian. Because I do anything for those of the household of faith. Now, after that, people become political party members, which is one of the most divisive and hateful and violent stands that a man or a woman can take. People hate Democrats. Do you know any of them? No, I stay away from all. Well, that's racism. That's just prejudiced. No other name for it. It's prejudiced. Most prejudice doesn't come from experience. It comes from opinions that are passed on to other people. Do you have a problem with black people? (laughs) She's married to a black man. Why would she have... I remember when Philip went, said they went into a restaurant and, and Philip went and got a glass of water and she said, can you believe they brought me on this blind date and the guy's black? They said, really? Yes, he's black. Wait till he comes out. Help me get out of this date. Now, now who would do that? But political parties hate other political parties. It is ripping our nation apart. Well, I like Trump. I don't like Trump. I wanted Hillary's. I wanted... Who wants a woman going through menopause all of her life? Now, now, I'm just trying to make reason with you. I, you know what? Listen, I really don't care. I really don't care. I, I'm glad for what's happening in America. But listen, my citizenship is in heaven. Amen. And if you think you're going to get me to fight somebody over what's going on in earthly soil that is going to be purged and burned with fire and renovated... You you aren't going to get me to fight over a pebble, let alone to fight enough to bring division or to execute or to condone violence against another human being without them instituting harm to my life. Then after that, I hope you're saved. Now, let me tell you something. See, we have all this whomper out of... And the thing of it is, the orchestrators of all of this agitation are the ones that are living off of the backs of people that have no concept of what's going on. Now, I think Al Sharpton has every right to work any job he wants, except he just pillages his people because of his color. I think it's wrong. 
And I think it's wrong from any other group or a Ku Klux Klan or anybody else to do the very same thing. I think it's wrong to try to gather funds by saying we're conservatives. I think it's wrong because it's totally pitting America against America. I think it's all wrong. I'm just getting this all out of my system because I just think it all sucks. You know what? Whether we like it or not, we have a president. And we are to pray for him, not to complain about him. And if we begin to curse him and begin to disobey God, I'm telling you the latter end will be something that we do not want. Whether good, bad, or ugly, we've had them bad and we've had them good. Amen. On both parties. I thought John F. John F. Kennedy was a great leader. He said something that everybody needs to hear. Stop asking and begging your country to do something for you. You find something to do for your country. I think he was just a Republican in a nice suit. But, but really, you just think of that. He was a great leader. and He was a Democrat. He didn't have any moral standards, but he was a great leader. So, we're Christians first, amen? Let's start listening to what God would have us say. And if God is not inspiring you, stop all of the political cliches and powerless, destructive, divisive attitudes and opinions. I don't mind that David's a, a libertarian. I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. Sharon's a Democrat. Who cares? I still like them as people. I don't. Hi, man. Hey, would you like to go golfing? Are you Democrat or Republican? Well, that's not how we live. We're Christians. Amen? Now, the Bible says this at the end time nation, culture, nationalities will rise against nationalities. And that's what the devil's trying to get started. It happened 40 years ago, and it's happening today. The same thing. Number one target was policemen. Violence in the streets over nothing. And they say, well, there's a place to resolve. I talked to a man the other day, and I said, listen to me. And he said, well, I made phone calls. They wouldn't even turn my call. I said, that's a cheap shot. Get yourself up and go up to the Capitol and sit on the steps, pitch a tent, and start complaining. I said, you making a phone call. I said, I don't even answer your phone call. I said, you want to do something for your culture and, and uh, your people? Then go up there and do something. Don't just make a phone call. They hung up on you. I, I tried. I said, you didn't try nothing. It's the truth. You want to change? Then go to the place that can change. Don't burn down your neighborhood store that's been giving you credit for the last 30 years. Go down on the courts of the seat of authority in your community or your county and you get people to shut down traffic and you stand up and you say things need to be changed. But don't hurt the people that's been helping you. What, what, what in, if you had a baby and you got mad at the world and you go over and you kill your cow or your neighbor, and that's where you've been getting your milk. Does that make any sense to you? 
Does that make, it don't make no sense to me. That's why it's crazy. That's why it's demonic. That's why it needs to stop. Needs to stop. Hallelujah. I wish to God that our leaders of our churches that had a voice in America would stand up and take a stand and have enough guts to call the church to repentance over this foolish stuff. But they won't. They won't. They need to. Amen? Amen. They want to be leaders. We're just waiting to hear from them. Amen? Amen? All right, well, I got that all off my chest. I'm going to rest good tonight. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for what you are doing in our life. Teach us, God, to just let you put a word in our mouth. Let God us be able to understand seasons and timings. God, let us not just be us. Let us be Christians. Let us be God, those that are influenced of the Almighty, those that speak from heaven and not just from ourselves. God, we give thanks in this nation in two days. God, we are totally, totally 100% sold out to being grateful to you for our nation, for our neighbors, even for our governments, God, and God, for every person that we know and that we do not know. God, let us be mindful of those that may not have much to be thankful for. If we can help, let us help. But God, we are grateful as a church and as a people today. We love you, Father. We are so and we thank you for all that you've given us in Jesus name amen and amen Sunday morning at 10 o'clock